Getting a good night's sleep. It's more important than you think. Welcome to the Access Health Radio Show. I'm Dr. Brian Forrest, and this week we will be talking about how sleep can be really beneficial for your health and how to get more of it. Boy, that sounds like a topic near and dear to my heart. I'm Mike Davis. Thanks for joining us. Dr. Brian Forrest is a board-certified family physician from Apex, and we'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the companies that support Access Health Radio. Thanks to Marley Drug in Winston-Salem for supporting our show. They mail order generic medications directly to your home with free shipping at costs that are often much lower than even the big box pharmacies. And they also are getting ready to offer a membership program where they guarantee the price of medications to be less than $5 or $10 per month, regardless of whether you have insurance or not with free shipping. And once that program is launched, I'll make sure to bring more information about that. But uh, check them out at MarleyDrug.com. Well, that is exciting. Dr. Forrest, we all know we need sleep. I understand today you're going to be telling us about how important it really is, and you have some tips on getting the most out of it. As we learn more and more about the importance of sleep, it is becoming apparent that it really affects our health. Some people have trouble sleeping and disorders like sleep apnea, which we're going to discuss today and offer some tips for it. New research says that poor sleep can result in early death, increased risk for diabetes, weight gain, and even dementia or memory loss. Research out of the University of California at Berkeley recently showed that it significantly can increase your risk for Alzheimer's disease if you don't get good sleep in middle age. So really important stuff. Well, you're not kidding. I didn't realize all of that. That is uh, that really drives home the point. I guess one thing that listeners might be wondering about, Dr. Forrest, is just how much sleep is enough. Well, you know, the amount of sleep that we need varies uh, by age. Um, and really, there's sort of three groups. Um, according to the National Sleep Foundation, uh, you know, newborns uh, through age toddlers basically need, you know, up around 14 hours of sleep. Uh, there's a range there, but around, you know, 12 to 14 hours uh, is what they need. Um, and then the school age children typically need around 10 hours um, at least. Uh, and so do teenagers. And teenagers are one of those groups that actually we find uh, has the most difficulty getting enough sleep. And so a lot of times on weekends, you find teenagers, you know, sleeping in till noon. Um, so they really need 10 hours. And then the last group um, are sort of the, you know, most adults. Most adults need between seven and nine hours. Although the older you get, the less you require. So, you know, as you get to be over 65, typically you can get away with more like seven hours. Uh, I know I've actually had patients that were frustrated by the fact that they seem like they can't sleep as long as they used to. And in many cases, you know, I've told those patients that's actually not a problem. Uh, you know, they're not used to waking up at like 4 or 5 a.m., uh, but it's literally because the older you get, uh, you typically do need a little bit less sleep. And, you know, it's not just the length of sleep that matters. It's also the quality of sleep. Um, so, for example, people that have sleep apnea, they can tell you that they were completely unconscious and got a full night's sleep when, in fact, they may have been woken up over a hundred times uh, by their apnea episodes. 
Wow, that is rough. I want to talk more about that later. But first of all, I'm wondering about people who have trouble getting to sleep or staying that way. What's going on there? Well, you know, insomnia it can be a real problem, and it is very common. So first, let's uh, focus on getting to sleep. Um, one of the things that I think is very overlooked, because um, a lot of times patients will ask me, you know, Doc, do you have a sleeping pill? Do you have a wonder drug that can make me sleep great? And, and they forget that the most important thing is something that we call sleep hygiene. Um, and all of these things that I'm going to talk about are actually really critical. And uh, a lot of times people find just doing two or three of these uh, will improve their sleep a lot. So um, first of all, you want to stay on a very strict schedule. You know, lots of people work shifts or they, you know, on the weekends, they'll change when they sleep. And the truth is, the closer you keep your sleep to a schedule, the better off you are. And we know that probably it's a little more critical that you get up the same time every day as close as possible uh, within 30 minutes. Um, but also, you know, going to bed the same time every night. So sleep schedule, incredibly important, you know, trying to stay within 30 minutes of that, even on the weekend. Uh, the second thing is paying attention to what you eat and drink. Um, you know, if you get in late from work and you, you know, eat a large meal around nine or 10 o'clock at night, that's going to make number one, you very uncomfortable to sleep. You may have reflux or heartburn. Uh, but it's also going to mean that your body is going to be producing energy and giving you energy, you know, that you don't really need because you're in the bed. And so very important that you don't do that. Uh, things with caffeine and alcohol also can really be a problem. So, you know, paying attention to when you eat and, and drink. You also don't want to drink, you know, 24 ounces of water right before you go to bed, because obviously you're going to have to get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom. That's going to interrupt your sleep. Um the third thing is the environment is really important. So, uh, you know, many people in the summer, for example, they're trying to keep the electric bill down. And so maybe they keep their thermostat turned a little higher than, than they're comfortable. But we found out that the ideal sleep temperature is 65 degrees. So 65 degrees tells your body, hey, it's nighttime. Uh, things have cooled off a little bit. It's time to go to sleep. So you want it to be cool. You want it to be dark. You want it to be as dark as possible. And, um, you know, I find a lot, a lot of times people have with all the electronics these days, even the chargers, a lot of times people have a lot of background light in their bedroom, and that can really cause a problem. So you want it to be quiet and you want it to be dark. Uh, you know, having some type of, uh, you know, background noise that's what people call white noise, uh, like a fan or uh, something like that can actually help sort of mask you know, other sounds like I know a lot of people tell me their ice maker will wake them up in the middle of the night. Well, if you've got some background noise going, then then little little subtle sounds like that won't be as disruptive to your sleep. Um, the other thing is you want to limit your daytime naps. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, between two and four o'clock in the afternoon like to have a little power nap. And, you know, that's OK. Uh, generally speaking, if that's less than about 40 minutes, it doesn't really affect your sleep that much. You certainly don't want to, you know, hit the hay and uh, be out for an hour or two because then your body thinks that you're shifting your body clock and that you've gone to bed for the night. Um, and then the other thing is physical activity. 
Um, if you get some exercise during the day, that actually helps you sleep better. Um, the only caveat to that is you don't want to get that physical activity, you know, right before bedtime. It could be an hour or two before bedtime. You just don't want it to do right before because, number one, that'll heat you up. It'll raise your metabolism a little bit. Um, and so you don't want to do it right before bed. But, you know, if it's within an hour or two, that's okay. And then lastly, and this, this seems to make obvious sense, but is sort of managing anxiety and worry. Um, you know, there's lots of tips that people offer on this, but, you know, sometimes when people go to bed, that's the first time they have to really think about the day and what's going on and that kind of thing. And so, you know, in the old days, before we had all these digital tablets, I would just tell people to keep a, a, a notebook or some paper beside their bed with a pencil. And if they had a thought that they were sort of worried, hey, I need to, I need to think about that so I don't forget it, I would tell them just write it down on that piece of paper and it would be there for them in the morning. Uh, now, a lot of people have either their phone or their, or their iPad or whatever. Um, but just if you think of something and you're like, this is critical, you know, I, I, this is going to keep me up thinking about it. Just write it down and then you, you'll be able to rest easier. Um, but trying to sort of get rid of that anxiety and worry, don't get yourself so keyed up right before bedtime is, uh, is really, really good. Some people will, you know, either their, their prayers they say at night or their sort of time of, of slowed down thinking and just sort of meditating however they want to do that. Just sort of having that, that calm down unwinding time is really important. So second, let's talk about staying asleep. Very important that you don't have too much caffeine in the afternoon or evening. Um, if you have caffeine after two or three o'clock, that's very likely going to stay with you a little bit into the, the bedtime hours. Um, and you also really want to limit, again, we talked about too much liquid, but also alcohol because uh, drinking alcohol, what people call the nightcap, um, sometimes does actually help people initially get to sleep. The problem with it is that alcohol, as the, your body metabolizes it, after about four hours, you get the opposite effect. You get sort of a stimulant effect, you know, maybe four hours after you had that. And so what's going to happen is you go to sleep at 10 or 11 o'clock, and then 3 o'clock in the morning, you're wide awake and you can't go back to sleep. So that's also very important. Well, those are some really good tips. I know some of those things are things that I've incorporated, like, uh, restful environment. I wear an eye mask when I go to bed to eliminate all of that light that might be in the room. And and one thing my wife has always told me, don't bring the mail in just before bed because that stresses her out. There are bills in there. So, right, exactly. Yeah, so well, she now, doesn't Mike, want to I never, I never imagined you in an eye mask, but I bet that's a great look on you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is. I've never looked better especially when I'm looking in the mirror with that on. So uh, what about medications to help sleep? And I admit, I, I, I'm one of those that takes a little sleep aid. Uh, is that good or bad? Well, you know, there are several types of medications that can help you sleep. So uh, some of those are over-the-counter. Um, a lot of the over-the-counter ones contain uh, diphenhydramine, which is the active ingredient in Benadryl. Uh, things like Unisom, all of the PM formulations, you know, Advil PM, Tylenol PM. Uh, all they have is a little bit of Benadryl, usually uh, 25 to 50 milligrams. Um, and, you know, if you get it in, in a formulation that's for sleep, they're going to charge you a lot more for it. So you're better off just to get some Benadryl and take two of those, uh, you know, when you go to bed if you're going to use that. But, 
you know, that has some side effects. It can give people dry mouth. Uh, it can affect people's uh, prostates uh, and sometimes make them have some trouble with urination. Um, and some people feel a little hungover the next morning after things like uh, Benadryl. Uh, there's also some prescriptions that have those same type medicines. Uh, we use something called hydroxazine a lot, which is sort of just a longer acting type diphenhydramine or Benadryl. Um, and the other prescriptions, uh, you know, and some of those are meant for other purposes, uh, but they can help sleep. Things like amitriptyline, uh, trazodone. And then there's other medications that are specifically meant for sleep, like Ambien and Sonata. The problem really with all of the medications for sleep is that while they may help you become unconscious faster, they actually interfere with your normal sleep cycles. And not only that, they, they really can have a lot of side effects, uh, including sleepwalking, uh, you know, memory loss. Uh, and dependence. You know, there's some people, you know, Michael Jackson is an example of somebody that got to where he had to have um, propofol IV to get to sleep. And that's uh, that was that was the result of years and years of taking an increasing amount of medications to help him sleep. So um, that can happen. And people get to the point where they can't sleep at all uh, without those prescriptions. So we try to avoid those when we can. I would say that Sonata, which is like a shorter acting version of Ambien, uh, is a little bit safer because it's also out of your system in about four to five hours. Um, so if you're going to do that, that's probably a better option. Uh, so we use those when we have to, but you know, we want to do all those other things we talked about, like sleep hygiene, uh, if we can. And a lot of times if you use one of the sleep aids, in conjunction with the sleep hygiene for maybe a week, um, you can then sleep pretty well without the sleep aid. Um, the other one that I'll bring up that people use a lot and, and overuse and don't really understand is melatonin. And melatonin is the natural hormone that your body uses um, at nighttime to tell your body that it's time to go to sleep. Now, the problem is melatonin doesn't actually really make you sleepy. And it doesn't really help you sleep as much as it tells your body it's bedtime. So it just adjusts your, your body clock. Um, so one of the things I tell people is melatonin is great to use to help your sleep if you're traveling. Like if you were to go to a different time zone, you know, taking melatonin right before bed really says to your body, it gives it a signal, hey, it's time to go to bed, even though you're on a different time zone, you know, now it's time to go to bed and using something like that for, you know, maybe a few days or a week to reset your body clock works great. Um, but I know a lot of patients that will try to take melatonin every day as a sleep aid, and it's not very effective uh, when used that way. Dr. Brian Forrest is a board certified family physician. This is Access Health Radio. You mentioned earlier sleep apnea, Dr. Forrest. I hear about that all the time. What is that? Well, sleep apnea is a condition where you have interrupted sleep, and so you're not able to get a good night's sleep, even though uh, you're unconscious. And what happens is people tend to wake up almost totally, but never quite, because they're having an obstruction in the back of their throat, um, and for lots of different reasons. Some people are just, their anatomy, their back of their throat is shaped that way. Uh, some people, you know, have large necks and large neck contributes to it. Uh, being overweight certainly can contribute to sleep apnea. Um, alcohol makes sleep apnea worse. 
Um, but the problem with sleep apnea is it's a killer. You know, a lot of people die from sleep apnea and we never necessarily identify it that way because, you know, when a truck driver falls, falls asleep and runs his truck off the road, it, a lot of times it's from sleep apnea. If somebody um, gets atrial fibrillation, which we've talked about on the show before, uh, and gets a blood clot or a stroke from that, that can be caused because of obstructive sleep apnea because it can cause changes to your heart. So, um, you know, generally a good rule of thumb is if people um, do have snoring or family members tell them they snore or if, you know, during the middle of the day, you know, say before noon, even after a good night's sleep, they feel like they could sit down, get comfortable, and go to sleep right away. That's called daytime sleepiness, and a lot of times that's a sign they have obstructive sleep apnea, and they really need to get that checked out. And, and the technology now is very simple. You can check out a home sleep device, uh, take it home with you, and uh, bring, it, uh, bring it back to the doctor's office, and they can let you know in one day you know, if you have sleep apnea and sort of the severity of it. And you don't necessarily have to always go to one of those hospital sleep labs anymore. Very good. Dr. Forrest, time now for the Access Health Tip of the Week. Did you know that blue light can interfere with sleep? One study found that it could suppress sleep hormones like melatonin by as much as two to three times more than other light colors like green. So keep your bedroom as dark as possible. But if you've got blue light or LEDs on computers or electronics, Try covering them up with a, the LED with a small piece of electrical tape and set your devices to a warmer spectrum, more of an orange color uh, in the evening hours. Dr. Forrest, if folks have questions, how can they get in touch with you? After the show, uh, they can listen to an on-demand podcast at WPTF.com. Uh, they can check out our website at www.acchealth.com or they can call the office at 919-363-0190. All right, straight ahead, more tips on how to get a better night's sleep. This is Access Health Radio. Getting a better night's sleep, that's our topic today on Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician Dr. Brian Forrest. You've given us some great tips. What are some other things uh, that we can do to help improve our sleep, Dr. Forrest? Well, for those smokers out there, um, try not to smoke right before bed. Um, the nicotine sometimes can sort of key you up a little bit. Um, on the other hand, if you've been withdrawing for four or five hours, that can also keep you up. Um, avoid alcohol, again, especially within a couple of hours of bedtime uh, because it can wake you up in the middle of the night. And then avoid caffeine in the afternoon. Good points. Straight ahead, our Access Health Radio's Trivia of the Week. This is Access Health Radio, and it's time for the Access Health Trivia of the Week, Doc. Yeah, did you know that people are the only mammal that intentionally delays sleep? We spend about one-third of our lives sleeping, while cats spend two-thirds of their life sleeping. I believe that. That's all the time we have for this week, Dr. Forrest. Our scripture this week seemed appropriate, and it's from John eleven twelve. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Show, and we look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.